You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. once again and welcome to another episode of the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica and I'm Emma. We are minus a Carissa today. We've banned her from the room. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if we hear it just yell through the other side <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, join the next round. <laughs> I think this is the first podcast without Carissa but oh my we will be mixing them up in the coming weeks, well 12 weeks because I'll be heading off. So mm-hmm. you're going to be hearing from a collection of the JCN team which mm-hmm. is going to be good. Today we have a special guest. We have with us Kobe Allison from Kobe Allison Psychology. Hello. <laughs> and we're really stoked to have Kobe with us because we're going to be delving into um, definitely the mental health space, but we want to highlight the connection uh, between mental health and back to nutrition. I'm sure there's lots of other aspects that we'll talk about, but um, today we really want to delve into that that link in regards to what we put into our body and our gut health and lots mm-hmm. of other factors that mm-hmm. link the two together. So could we start with you telling people a little bit about yourself and what got you into psychology? Yeah. Um, so I have been practicing for about a decade and I knew I wanted to be a psychologist from 15, so pretty oh, wow. pretty young, and just had this natural fascination with people and the mind and how it all works and just set off on this expedition to understand um, the human mind. So I purchased my first psychology book, and it's a really good one, I do <laughs> recommend. Um, called Change Your Thinking by Sarah Edelman and that book just gives really great tips and strategies to manage anxiety and when I was a 15 year old I was fairly shy and anxious so I figured someone had written a book just about me (laughs) Um, and that started so from that point I knew that that was what I wanted to pursue and took subjects at school that were in line with studying psychology and then have just submitted my second thesis for my second master's. So that's my 10 goodness. years of study wow. and four degrees. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And you, <laughs> that's it. You've also delved into your own practice within all of that too. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I opened my own practice about six or seven years ago, and that's been wonderful. Like I, I prefer the... The independence mm. um, of running my own practice and love it. Like I pinch myself every day that mm. I get paid to do a job that I would do for free mm-hmm. and I can finish the week as full and happy as I started the week. Mm. Um, and recently <clears throat> had a client in one of my workshops speak up and say, look, I can vouch for this because I've seen uh, that she's worked with me at five o'clock on a Friday afternoon and she said she's exactly the same. Mm. Um, and it's because there's a genuine, I have a genuine love for what I do um, and we call it a therapeutic love for my clients. Mm. They're incredible. 
Um, and they are the most courageous people because they show up to do the work. And basically what therapy is, is it's having a, it's turning a mirror on yourself. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that takes courage. Oh, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So I guess like going on from that, then what, what areas do you treat or what kind of clients do you see Mm -hmm. and what kind of double-edged question, but also then what, um, therapeutic approach do you take with your clients? Um, yeah, well, I see clients, <coughs> my youngest has been four, and my... Oh, um, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she was incredible. Um, and she she stays with me. She was a, a little person who, you know, when we're little people, we have all these adult-sized emotions in little brains and little bodies, mm-hmm. and we've got no way of knowing how to express mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And so... For this little one was so distressed because she had no way of communicating these mm. and so yeah we started we started early to give her the tools for self uh, soothing mm. and, and developing her emotional vocabulary so that then puts puts her on the path of being able to emotionally mm. regulate from such a young age it's because we don't we don't actually get taught this, no. you know. I think it's so important. Like, yeah. it's one thing along with nutrition that I wish we were yep. taught, mm-hmm. you know, growing up because yep. we do have all these emotions and we uh-huh. actually and because we're so I guess ego driven yep. or egocentric at yep. that time, yep. we actually think everyone's behaviour is a reflection of what we've done, uh-huh. which you I'm sure you could so expand true. on. But you know, it's just so. Yeah. And of course, we we get muddled up, <laughs> and yeah. we. Yeah. But anyway, keep going. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Um, it's yeah something I'm incredibly passionate about mm. and would like to see in a mm. school curriculum mm. um, because it if you're you know parents often will do the the best they can with the tools that they were shown mm. and their parents are often doing the best that they can with the tools That's they it. were shown and then so if you didn't learn healthy school healthy skills for emotional regulation from mum and dad and you didn't learn it from school then yeah you've got a lot of adults running about <laughs> who look grown up <laughs> from the outside from the outside so but um their emotional age isn't might not necessarily be matching their chronological age because they haven't had they haven't developed the skill set in order to manage their strong emotions. Mm. So my take on mental health is that often uh, poor you know, poor healthy behaviors like um, undereating, overeating, drinking, drug abuse, uh, this can play out in relationships. Mm. can stem from a person just not knowing how to sit with strong emotions. Mm-hmm. And then the brain being a problem-solving machine, it just seeks out whatever mm. to numb those strong feelings if the person doesn't have an alternative. So generally people are just trying to do the best they can. Absolutely. And if they find something that works, well, why would they give that up? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we're, you know, what joins us is... We've got this passion of we understand that and so we have such compassion 
that mm. will all just go to whatever kind of fills that void. Mm. But we're really passionate about helping people find healthy ways to mm. self-regulate. Mm. That's so true. Mm. Um, and then, yes, um, the, my oldest client is 89. Oh, wow. Yeah. Full spectrum. Full spectrum. <laughs> I love that someone, even at that age, yeah. is still at a point where they're interested in, in investing yeah. in themselves, understanding themselves, because I don't – I'll be careful not to stereotype, <laughs> yeah. but I do yeah. I do think generally once we get over a certain age, we get very set in our ways. Yeah. I know even my parents are very set in their ways mm. and to yeah. change their relationship with themselves, with each other, with yeah. the world is yeah. very, very, very hard. So yeah, it's an overwhelming. Yeah. Like after so huge. many years. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Like I, it's – and that's why they're – my clients are my biggest – inspiration because mm. I think that's incredible like mm. you're 89 years old this this was not something she was exposed to mm-hmm. to now and then giving that gift to herself to go and do some inner work mm. um, and look at the reasons for why she's feeling certain things mm. and so to you know I guess even sharing about the different ages that I work with mm-hmm there's an underlying message in that that you're not too young or you're not too old to seek therapy Mm. and it definitely is an incredible gift to give to oneself yeah absolutely and and Mm. the people around you Mm. that's so true i think Mm. even like thinking about just any you know expanding that and even looking at you know a lot of other health modalities like yeah all different modalities yeah. but you know yeah. seeing a nutritionist or you know yeah. going getting a massage or seeing an acupuncturist mm. or whatever mm. um a lot of these are almost a lot of the time it's preventative as well as treating yeah. something mm. but it's it is it's about investing in yourself mm. you know like that's really especially if it is a lot of preventative stuff it's yeah about investing in, in it now and learning and discovering and holding that mirror up to yourself mm-hmm. or, you know, getting your gut right and your nutrition mm-hmm. right or whatever it might be or balancing your hormones via yeah. acupuncture or something like that yeah. and growing and evolving as a human yeah. um, to make, you know, yeah. investing for your family or your future family or okay. your friends and your everyone, your loved yeah. ones around you, you know, and I think that that's a really great thing. Like it's all yeah. about how you look at your life and mm. the impact you're having and that's yeah, yeah it's very yeah it's it's courageous and it's a mm. it's if you kind of look yeah. at it in that way it's it's also phenomenal. what you're saying too in regards to that ripple effect yeah. like I, uh, something that we see too mm-hmm. in all of those modalities we're just mm. talking about i'm sure but mm. with nutrition particularly where you'll have say a mum come in mm-hmm. who really wants to prioritize and start looking after their health but you know there's so many hurdles in the way when it comes to kids and jobs and husbands and they're putting themselves at the bottom Mm. of the pile but we'll often talk to them about by you working on yourself you're actually having as you said a ripple effect out where you're setting a good example but you're also feeling better you're more energized so you can spend Mm. time with the people that you love you're not as irritable moody etc so yeah it's just interesting And it Mm. puts things in perspective that we're here on the planet for more than ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, the the changes that, you know, 89-year-old person made, then that can send a ripple effect to children that she had and then their Mm. children. So 
when we do make positive health changes, the implication for that is that it serves the future generations of us mm. in such a positive way, mm -hmm. then that's why this is so imperative. Mm. Absolutely. Could not agree more. And what types of, um, yeah, types of therapeutic approaches do you use yeah. primarily? Um, so my, my last training was over at QT, and mm -hmm. so that training emphasises psychodynamic psychotherapy. So it isn't uh, the mainstream approach to psychotherapy. It is quite specialised in that, and there's two unis across Australia who offer it. Mm. And why that aligns with me is because it's really about looking at the fundamentals of personality mm. and how the different things that can, can occur for us uh, in vitro mm. or mm. as um, babies and toddlers, that they can have this huge effect on how our mind is set up. Mm. Um, in particular, it can the different things we go through can have a huge effect on our attachment. Mm. And so attachment is incredibly important because attachment forms the basis of how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to those around us. So if we've developed a secure sense of self and attachment, then we're able to greet self and others with security and stability as well but if for some reason our attachment was violated in some way and where we have more of a <clears throat> anxious or um, avoidant or ambivalent attachment then that can play out in all sorts of dis mm. dysfunctional ways um, and what we don't deal with from our past just will bleed into our future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Such a good way of explaining it. Because yeah. mm. it's what happens is these things are, are within us. They don't disappear. It's mm. the experiences that we go through that affect us emotionally. Are, they don't disappear. They're within our unconscious. So mm. a big part of the work I do is helping, is helping people to bring forward what may have, what may be, what may have played out in the past that's within their unconscious to their conscious awareness so they're able to make positive change mm. and they're able to process the strong feelings that they may have from the past. Mm. And we can have memories right back to um, being a toddler mm. that left an emotional pain body within our bodies that is then playing out in a relationship Mm. today mm. but without awareness those things can just keep playing out unconsciously yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know we can see that through people's relationship with food and nutrition mm. for instance mm. um, it, it's as a psychologist I like to explore what is that person's first experience with food mm and mm. try and go back to could there even be something there around um, if, if food, say if under eating or overeating is an issue, could there be something there that dates back to um, their past and um, difficulties 
taking in nourishment mm. or knowing what's enough. Mm. Um, and yeah, so and ultimately, so that's the basis of my therapy, psychodynamic psychotherapy and working with attachment. And then I bring in, because it's different for every single individual that walks mm. in the door. So um, individualised. So individualised. As everything is. <laughs> there is, yeah, no, <laughs> no one size fits all um, for therapy. So it's quite a creative mm. process. So I'll bring in self-compassion therapy. Um, so that's a modality I utilise a lot because often people have a largely developed inner critic and not so well-developed self-compassionate part of self. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the difficulty with that is when the inner critic is alive and well and highly developed, it's super hard to take care of ourselves on all levels, nutrition, mm. Our mm. emotional health, our physical health, our finance. Mm. Um, it's, it is difficult because that would entail taking nourishment in. But if we don't feel that we're deserving of that nourishment, then of course it's difficult to take nourishment mm. in and goodness in mm. or make healthy decisions around relationships or finances or food this might be too big of a question but it's just something that pops yeah. up why do you think that our inner critic as such uh -huh. is such a big thing in our i would say more westernized society mm. like it is it's yeah. something that is so big and yeah. i think so current now and i i think see given different names but do you do you have any sort of perspective or thoughts behind why it's become such a big part of, um, I guess, our, if I could use the word, sort of more negative mm. <laughs> mental health or our ways yeah. that we sort of think about ourselves? Because it's we, we see it, I know, I think everybody mm -hmm. has that struggle within themselves mm -hmm. and it's something we see heavily yeah. in a nutritional space in, in that relationship with food. So, yeah, I'm just curious if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, it. I think that. Sorry, do you mind repeating the question? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I guess I'm just wondering, and there may not be an easy yeah. answer, and it's yeah. just one of those. Things, it just popped into my head as to why we have a struggle with yeah. that concept of an inner critic. Like, yeah. why are we all walking around beating ourselves up? Yeah. Like we always talk about yeah. how if we spoke to ourselves out loud, the oh, way that yeah. voice does in our head, like we would just be mortified. Yeah. But why Why are we all doing this? Is it yeah. learned behaviour? Mm. Or like, you yeah. know, I don't know, maybe... Maybe like was, social media or... I don't know what it, why yeah. it is, but like why are we all, why are we all doing it? <laughs> it's probably like yeah. a question that's really hard to answer. Yeah. Just, Give tell us. me, tell Kobe, me. why? <laughs> Why is the world round? <laughs> Where is the end of the universe? <laughs> no, it's square, right? Um, yeah, no, it is It is a good question and it's so true. And I think that it's a product of many things. Mm. Um, the first thing you mentioned was about our westernised culture and, you know, mm. we, that's, that's an individualistic culture. Mm, true. Um, that is so true, yeah. So Just our culture is so... Every man for myself himself. and yeah. I focused. Mm. Um, you know, my 
my background is um, Indigenous, so that's where the opposite mm. of that. So even my work as a therapist, that's not about uh, me. It's mm. I'm just. It's that's why I love it so much because, to be honest, payday for me is when I see a client be so proud of the work they've done mm. and and so proud of themselves and so full and whole and I'm that's why I do it mm. and the celebration isn't a public um, notoriety it just mm. happens between me and that person where I think inner critic comes in is that if, if we look at I suppose our parents generation talking about feelings wasn't the norm so true <laughs> and so often parents out of love can come from a place of fear when they're trying to parent their child and so often that has meant for many of us perhaps a parent saying things in love for them but love that is fear-based mm -hmm. and so um, I'm trying to think of an example um, it's like they almost parents um, like they don't know any better like they're yeah. just doing the best that they can with yeah. what they have and that's really I think what everybody's doing yeah. in this life like we're all doing the best that we know how to mm. based on every single yeah. thing that has happened mm. like I um I listened to a podcast the other day and it said like imagine if you could see a 90 minute film mm. of everyone's life mm. up until this point like condensed and then it, before you judge someone for what they are doing with whatever it is, um, if you saw this film, you would yeah. at least you don't have to agree with what they're doing, but yeah. you would actually understand what yeah. why they're doing what they're doing because every single person has experienced things, has felt yeah. things, has been through things that have yeah. evolved, like you know, molded them to the person that they are today, yeah. and made them you know have the choices mm -hmm. that they're they're choosing and do the things yeah. that they're doing and have the relationships that, that they're having. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, everyone is so individually molded that it's so. It, and I think a lot of people do judge other, like you know, especially in this culture, like we judge so many other yeah. people based on one twentieth of what we see <laughs> about them, you know. Um, but every parent, let's go back to parents, like it's like they're really only doing what they know how to do, mm. which mm -hmm. sometimes will be, yeah, you know. Out, it'll you know, usually always be out of love, but it's just what they've learned from their parents and exactly. whatnot. So. And before our parents' generation, mental health was terrifying. Mm. Like mm. my, I know with my grandma, it's not. It's just not something she she worries so much about the job I do, mm -hmm. because mm. for her, when people had a mental illness, they were taken to an institution along with people mm. who had. Um, uh, difficulties with their IQ or epilepsy or mm, like it yeah. was just so misunderstood and so for her uh, any conversation around emotions is terrifying mm. um, so often they are coming from fear mm. which just isn't helpful mm. so um, what's so the dialogue around compassion is just not it's not common and often people who have been raised from a fear-based model then approach self from fear. Oh, you'll never be able to do this. How are you going to do this? You're going to stuff this up. Mm. You know, that constant running dialogue. Mm. 
and without assistance to develop that skill of self-compassion, mm. then that's why that inner critic mm. continues. But a self-compassion approach, self-compassionate approach to self—that's not our norm. No way. That's that's, that's my dream <laughs> yeah, in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, that our self-compassionate part of self becomes so much bigger than our self-critic. Yeah. Um, so it's not about getting rid of different parts, but it is about first becoming aware of even having a inner critic. Because mm. sometimes the inner critic is running rampant mm -hmm. in our lives, mm. often through uh, self-destruction, mm. um, because the inner critic works really well with recklessness and um, self-destruction, sabot sabotage. And so it's becoming aware that that part's even there and, mm -hmm. and sense-making that, oh, that makes sense of why mm. X, Y, and Z is playing out in my life. Mm. And that's the first thing. And then it's about learning skills, well, with psychodynamic psychotherapy, going back to find out where on earth did these, where did, where did the self-critics start developing? Mm. And what part of that voice is yours and what part of it belongs to this teacher or mum and dad or what is even, mm. um, who, who, who makes up this inner critic? Mm. And one of the techniques I use is if, you, if we identify that, the voice of the inner critic that one of the voices is coming from something mum said or something dad said or maybe a teacher or some bullies at school or something then we go through a technique where that person gives that person back what was said mm. so um we do that either in a written way or actually saying it out loud wow that'd be so powerful and it's you know mum and and dad i give you back um the, you know, when when my grade school would just never never seem to be good enough, and then um, there's an encouragement for the client to then take back that they don't have to be perfect. Like mm. they can just give their best best shot, and and that's okay. Yeah. And so it's really a process of reparenting. Yeah. From. <clears throat> compassion as opposed to fear mm. because that parent I mean I've just made that example up but that parent might you know be from the perspective no but I'm trying to help my child do mm -hmm. well at yeah, school so exactly. they can have a good future yeah so that well and truly may be their truth but fear I don't know anyone that fear truly motivates mm. that you can achieve all your dreams all your goals from compassion and generally, that's going to lift someone and strengthen someone mm. more so than fear will. Mm. So basically, it's just coming from love over fear. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, it's so powerful. I just wish, mm. it's just like, as you're talking, like, I just wish everyone could go through some kind of therapy to recognize and just awareness, as you say, is the first step mm -hmm. with yeah. this. Like, it's so true. And even like, you know, um, this is why I think it's so, this is why we have you on and like it's so important to when, and going back to individualised 
yeah. help or therapy yeah. or, you know, with nutrition, like individualized yeah. um, nutrition because everyone is so different yeah. and it just all, it's just about, you've got to meet them where they're, where they're at. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's people that need to, to go through certain things to be able to, mm. you know, realize or become aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and, you know, I've, I've sent clients to you before and, mm-hmm. you know, I think that when someone's taken that first step to reach out to a practitioner or, you know, a health, some kind of health mm-hmm. practitioner, that's huge yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's amazing. But I don't think any one health practitioner has all of the answers, mm-hmm. which is why, like, we are also for, like, collaboration yeah. and, you know, I'm such a, a big believer in, like, yes, there's, like, the there's the nutritional side of things and it's what you put in your body and that's very important. But then there's the then there's also the physical side of things, so how are you moving your body? Mm-hmm. But then there's the the mental health or the, mm-hmm. the soul and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And if, if one of these things is out of balance, yeah. I think that, like, you can't be as happy as you could be, you know, like you can't be completely whole or completely. And that's mm-hmm. been my kind of thought for since I was about 15 as well. I mm-hmm. kind of realized that. And, yeah. you know, that's why I started studying psychology myself as well. Cause I was so intrigued um, yeah. because yeah, health, whole health is not whole unless you kind of are looking at all of those different pieces. Mm-hmm. So definitely, yeah, true. which I guess that brings me to the next question. When you are seeing and, um, and taking a client through treatment, have you ever looked at other modalities to help that client with whatever they're going through? So I know this is would obviously be, mm. very, be very individualised depending on what that client presents yeah. with and yeah. where they're at, but what kind of other like modalities do you use? Yeah, um, definitely. You know, I can add my piece of the puzzle, which yeah. is psychology, and you know that's been a 10-year or longer, <laughs> I guess, if you count the five, you know, five from 15. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, being a psych nerd for a very long time, <laughs> <laughs> so, and still am. I'm still ordering books. Um, Never stop my learning. Biggest no. expense, my accountant said. <laughs> I'm not giving it up. Um, it, yeah, like I can play my part, but when you're doing that individualized treatment plan mm. for a person, if nutrition and taking good nutrition and nourishment in is a difficulty for that person. Mm. I'd love to get involved, mm. a nutritionist. Yep. Um, and as with you, I've it's been cross-referral, mm. and I love that you do have psychology as the mm. basis of your practice as well. Mm. Um, it just makes referring to someone you trust so much easier, mm. um, which is a big thing. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. when your clients trust you, they're then trusting that you're putting them in the hands of a another trustworthy practitioner. Mm, absolutely. So there's a lot riding on a referral. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've been really grateful in return that my clients have a safe place that they can come to mm-hmm. as well for nutrition advice mm. because that's just outside mm. my scope and yeah, absolutely. I don't want to go to uni again no <laughs> you can't you can't do it all though yeah, it's a thing like, i think to everyone can yeah you? like one person can't be everything you know everything like their pt their movement mm. or you know yeah. their you know massage therapist their yeah. nutritionist their psychologist you know like that's yeah. why and and you wouldn't be a good you know you couldn't focus all your energy on one of those things and be mm. an awesome nutritionist if you're also trying to be an awesome cycle mm-hmm. you know so it's mm. just that's the way 
that's the way it is. And then it's just connecting with people who, I guess something that's important for me and, and also as I develop my own practice is hiring people who have such a heart for the job, such a genuine client-centered approach for the mm -hmm. work. It's mm -hmm. not just, it's not that it's a, a just work, it's just, it's, it's their so vocation. True. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so true. That Jess feels the same, don't you, Jess? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It comes from this desire to have an impact on the world at large mm -hmm. and it's something bigger than I want a paycheck at the end mm. of the week. Um, because people feel that. People oh, feel so true. whether you have a genuine vested interest in them mm. and the work um, and they feel people aren't silly. Like they feel if you don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I invest in my own self-care because I don't want anyone to feel that. Mm. They, mm. Yeah. they have my presence but to have my presence, I need to go do my own self-care. Oh, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were yeah. talking about nutrition before, yeah. investing in nutrition yeah. support or yeah. um, other practitioners. I have in my network, uh, you know, kinesiologists or mm. um, chiropractors or amazing mas uh, massage therapists. Mm. There are incredible practitioners out there and then it's just finding who you align to mm. and then developing those trusting relationships so that you can cross-refer mm. and all work as a treating team mm, to a person. Which is paramount. That's so, like, yeah, without getting <laughs> sidetracked <laughs> on that, but I think that's so yeah. important, like, yeah. just with any, any healthcare, yeah. whether it be psychological, you know, nutritional or even doctors. Like, I just think... <clears throat> if someone is going through something like they should have their team yep. and this is so not what's done, which is such a shame, yep. but I, I mm. hope that as we, you know, in the next few years yep. and beyond this becomes more of a norm and it's almost like up to the patient or the client to yep. get their team together. But then like, you know, mm. it's so rare to have like different doctors and different, you know, healthcare practitioners all on the mm. same page with yep. one person. And it's just, it, it is a, such a shame because yep. there, there's so much power in having everyone do their own little bit and mm. knowing that and not being egocentric about that mm -hmm. and knowing that this is not my client and that's it. It's like yeah. I'm helping this client with the thing that I'm a, an expert in, mm -hmm. you know, nutrition or psychology or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and then I, I trust this next person and, mm -hmm. and I'm on the same page as what they're doing yeah. and I know what they're doing and, you know, yeah. that's like my dream for, you know, oh, healthcare amazing. across the world. And the benefits, obviously. <laughs> For the client yeah uh, just exponential mm. and we've seen that numerous times yeah. unfortunately both sides mm. yeah. but when mm. you when you see a client that is truly supported not mm -hmm. only by what you're doing but yeah. by referral to a network of people and yeah. they feel like you said that there is a team with them mm. yeah. who are communicating and and yeah. sharing ideas mm. and everyone is working together like yeah. that is such a powerful tool yeah. it really is because some people have never known being held some exactly. people have never known what it means to actually have backup. Mm. And so yeah. if if you go the extra, I don't even think it's an extra mile, but if you are able to really take the time, create that individualised plan for that person and then engage in collaboration mm. with the treatment team, then 
that's going to really send a message to that person mm. that you value them individually, that they have backup for people who may never have had mm. backup in their life. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is healing. Yeah. Like if, yeah, absolutely. If you're coming into therapy and you've never, you've been a lone soldier and you've been doing things um, without backup and without a team behind you, to have that is extra extraordinarily healing. Mm. Um, and I do think that I see that too and it's unfortunate. Mm. Um, and what you said before about often the egocentricity of like, this is my client. Yeah. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. we don't own um, anyone. anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and just also realising the limitations of ourselves as humans. Now, Absolutely. I, there's still so much about psychology I don't know and I'm fascinated mm. by. And I hope that never changes because that keeps my passion al alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's just, it, it is about growing your network in terms of working with people you trust mm. um, and knowing that your clients are in safe hands because mm. um, we're really in such a privileged uh, position. And I guess sending that message to practitioners um, and clients that, you know, that, that is such a privileged position to share your inner um, worries and concerns and um, mm. vulnerabilities with someone. Yeah. So we just... Yeah. Help. And even like that therapeutic relationship, yeah. right? Like in psychology what is it that they say that it accounts for in terms of progress and mm -hmm. like just having that for those people who yeah. may not have ever had that yeah. before or who just have no one at that point in their yeah. life to be able mm -hmm. to talk to and even yeah. as nutritionists we see it as well like just yeah. sometimes you know our initial consults go for 90 yeah. minutes yeah. um or 60 to 90 minutes and we kind yeah. of sit here and we just listen and mm -hmm. we kind of like we're not psychologists and we're not going to you know you know, learn all about their lives and try and change that like a psych not change it, but you know, give them things to do like a psychologist would, but we listen and just that is yeah. so powerful. And mm. it's like with health problems, especially yeah. chronic problems with specifically with digestive complaints mm -hmm. that we see or hormonal imbalances mm. yeah. or, you know, looking at mental health. Like I yeah. we do see a lot of clients with mental health um, conditions and looking yeah. at different ways to tackle that they might be seeing a psychologist but they also want to have a look at their nutrition to see what effect that might have or mm -hmm. have a look at their gut to see what effect mm -hmm. that might have as the research gets more and more prominent in that area yeah. it's just um yeah having that connection and, and us listening and going right tell mm -hmm. me your story what what's happened here you know like how mm -hmm. have you got how have you got here to where you are and mm -hmm. I, I hear you and this is what we're mm -hmm. going to do now mm -hmm. to to help you whether that be a referral onwards, yeah. you know, or um, and or you know, supplementation, changing food is mm. the biggest thing, yeah. obviously that we do number one, and that can be hugely powerful, yeah. you know, like just changing what you're eating, but also that it really depending on the person. It's, for some people, it's just so interesting. I love and I love psychology for this reason mm. and personalities. Like yeah. I love and I think we are all in the clinic here. We're all really good at like, you know, what's the word like looking at different personalities and mm -hmm. sensing different personalities and treating based on personality as yeah. well. Um, and we're talking about gut work, you know, a couple of weeks ago and even the way that we would approach someone like some, mm -hmm. you know, there might be two results that come in from a, a gut a stool mm -hmm. test 
it's exactly the same and mm. someone's got lots of infection and lots of, you know, even parasitic action and all, yeah. the, all these overgrowths in their gut. Some, and one person from a personality point of view might be like, yeah, I'm ready, like, get me onto it, I'm fine, like, you know, let's dive straight into it. Yeah. Another person might be, you might have to go a little bit more gently and yeah. hold their hand a little bit more just from a personality point of view yeah. or they're not they're not having a great time in their life at that point and yeah. they need that, that hand-holding reassurance and that, that time and that space, you yeah. know, and I think that we, we do that really well. Mm-hmm. Like I really do think that we do and it's that's really important to kind of listen to that client and what they're saying, even from a mm-hmm. non-verbal point of view Definitely. and, yeah, and, and knowing about that person um, and their, their life and who they live with and, how, mm. you know, who cooks the dinner and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it is so, so important. So I think, yeah, having that, yeah, having that connection is absolutely yeah. paramount. There's, there's power in just being heard and listened to. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's very underrated. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear more about what you see from a nutrition aspect. And I know that it's not going to go across every client that you see, but it's a really exciting space for us and particularly Em's like next level passionate about it. Um, But how often do you see that with your clients where there's, um, or you suspect uh, quite a strong impact from a dietary perspective? Yeah, it's, it plays out majorly in a realm with emotional health and it's because it ties back to your in, the inner critic as well like if someone doesn't have a great dialogue in a dialogue with themselves eating is you know one of our basic needs mm-hmm. we we need to eat and we need to sleep and and drink water and so when there is this unhealthy relationship with food and I'm I'm sure there's many others, but I mentioned under eating and say overeating, um, or eating of you know not not eating food that's not nutritious. It can generally point to a person's inner critic because, as you can imagine, it's pretty hard to take in things of goodness and nourishment mm-hmm. and substance and wholeness mm-hmm. when you hate yourself. Yeah. So if we think of under-eating, then um, that's coming from the perspective sometimes. coming That's very individualised, but um, coming from the perspective of often it's starving your most basic core need as a human. Mm-hmm. So often when I'm working with people with eating disorders um, and coming from a background of uh, having an eating disorder myself, I'll work with them on their inner critic mm. so that they're able to learn that they are like it's a human right they are mm. so deserving of, mm. of fullness and nutrition mm. um, because often the person say who's under eating doesn't feel right feeling full mm-hmm. because they feel like it's not deserving yeah they have become so accustomed to feeling um well, surviving on just enough Mm-hmm. just enough because in their mind and this can be happening unconsciously that's all they deserve mm-hmm. which is so sad mm-hmm. because that's negating a basic human need mm-hmm. um, and then the same with say overeating you know gen- like uh, if uh, you know people can be judgmental of other 
because you know why would they eat um, all those things and and um, well if you've got a wound that's a two liter bucket of ice cream mm. then you're gonna do what you need to to medicate mm -hmm. so again it's just yeah. it's a person trying to do the best they can with what they know and it's soothing like that will block the pain yeah it's just where it doesn't work is it doesn't block the pain long term and then it leaves leads to unhealthy um, health consequences mm -hmm. um, and so that's where it's great to work in together mm. because I can help with the client building up that capacity for self-compassion which links directly in with self-esteem so that they are able to change their inner dialogue in relation to self mm. which then can play out in terms of um, being able to have a healthier um, diet mm. but I guess my honest take is that it comes down to um, people not feeling deserving of goodness mm. oh so true it, I yeah. think too like over and all I would say it's just continues to be at the forefront of yeah. of clients week to week from yep. the day I started practice yep. not every mm. single client but there's an aspect yep. of this that plays out and with food like it's often talked about of course when it comes to different sorts of behaviors and mm. addictions that you know we can give up alcohol we can give up drugs but mm -hmm. we have to eat to mm. live so you can't run away from food yep. um, mm. to a point obviously yep. there's extremities of that yeah. but yeah it's just it never yeah it never ceases to amaze me how powerful that relationship can be from mm -hmm. our ability to um, self-sabotage to when it comes to yeah. our health and that interplay of food. So, for instance, we'll often have a client that comes in with, like, all of the best intentions. Of yeah. course they want to feel yeah. better. Of course they want yeah. to um, work with their health conditions, sort out their mm -hmm. unhealthy relationships mm -hmm. with foods, whether they're aware of it or not. Yeah. And, and you know, as Em was talking about, we have these extensive consultations and we talk through it, but mm -hmm. often what will happen, and it's almost like clockwork, you'll reach a certain level of um, consultations in where they've started to turn a corner and see some benefits mm -hmm. and the self-sabotage behaviours mm -hmm. are happen and yeah. to me it's always been this space of like not feeling worthy yeah. so whether mm -hmm. it's the weight loss is occurring finally yeah. or they're starting to eat more and feel more energized whatever that place is you change that set point and I've always thought about it like this protective armor yeah. that they've built for themselves and yeah. we, we strip that away and um, instead of having that coping mechanism whether that be to overeat uh -huh. or under eat they're suddenly just like oh my god like what is this that I don't yeah. have these tools that I usually would use and yeah they'll go back to those old habits. And yep. that's where we always love to encourage people, of course, to seek help like yourself. But obviously it's, it's hard to get people over the line sometimes yeah. in that aspect. But it's an unfortunate part I've always found with treatment where I wish, I mean, I don't have the skills to do it. And as you mm. were talking about, I don't, I don't want to try and be everything to everyone. But mm -hmm. I do find it quite um, probably sad would be the word. Mm. Like when you see someone who... They want to feel better and you can mm -hmm. see they have the capacity to feel better, yeah. but they just don't have the self-love yeah. to do it. And yeah. you're just like, oh, I wish I could like help you see you through my eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. And even like going from experiences of, I'm just thinking of a couple of clients who have done that, Jess, and they've, they've mm. gotten to a certain point, but then 
they have been directed or referred or they've started seeing a psychologist and working on that mm. area and whatever yeah. works for them. Um, and they've started working on that. And it's almost, it's like fueling yourself with nourishing, beautiful food is, mm. yeah, they, they don't see that as a right almost no. that of themselves, but getting them to that point where yeah. you teach them as a, your, as their nutritionist, like you teach them mm. the basics of like macronutrient balance and all of that. Um, and you teach them everything they need to know food-wise and they start to feel good, but then it's also that whole other thing of, um, yeah, working with a psychologist. And I just can think of a couple of clients who have really benefited from that mm. um, type of, yeah, multi, multi-pronged approach. Mm. So, so important. Would you have any, <laughs> again, like throwing these random curveballs in, but any words of wisdom, I guess, either for us or for people who are listening who are perhaps in that space of maybe considering do I need to take myself off to chat to someone to I guess encourage them over the line because it is a really it's a common wall that we come Mm. up against some people are really open once you bring up that subject and say look I've got someone I can refer you to here's their details and there's only a small percentage I would say unfortunately that will pick up that phone or send that email and I, again, I think it obviously comes, well, I say obviously, I'm not sure, but I feel like it comes from fear and not wanting to open that box. But I don't know, like, if there's any any sort of words you have around that to perhaps if people are listening to encourage them because obviously, yeah, yeah, it's a a fearful thing for them to do. I'm, I am biased because I think (laughs) um, therapy would benefit everybody Mm -hmm. Um, and I I do wish that therapy was more readily available to Mm. people and that we that we were able to provide a rebate for more than Mm. 10 sessions Um, you know I guess that's a little mission of mine to make long-term therapy more readily available to people because often 10 sessions Mm. as a psychologist you're scratching the surface it takes time mm. to build trust. It takes mm. time to build safety. Um, in terms of the profession itself, I think there's still stigma. So people, yeah. it, it can be difficult in, I guess, when you are trying to make that suggestion for a referral that people don't know what that really means or, like, what are you trying to say about me mm. or um, are you saying I've got issues or it's, yeah. it's really tricky. But... I guess what I want to encourage people who haven't seen a therapist before, it's if we just keep it really simple, like you're going to speak to another human and that human has skills in order to help you better learn to manage your your feelings. Mm. Um, Something that I offer my clients is being highly emotionally available and present and even that I guess can be confronting for someone who's never experienced mm. what it's like for someone to fully be there for them and listen to what they're saying. But ultimately, that's that's what it is. Mm. It's you're talking to another human. That human isn't perfect either. Um, but that person has a set of skills to help you to understand yourself within so that you can make healthier decisions about self. Mm. And that's all. And any of the taglines we attribute to that of like, oh, this means that I've really got issues or Mm. what are people going to think if they find out? It's just we all could benefit. Mm. You know, we could walk outside this clinic 
and talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a story. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone has a, a, a backstory. Um, like we said at the start, if you didn't learn these skills and emotional regulation from mum and dad, they didn't come from school, then there's a skill deficit. Mm. So it's not a you deficit. Mm. It's just an area of skill development that's yeah. needed. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. we look at the um, the difficulties that people are having in society with relationship problems, with relationships to drugs and alcohol, at the seat of it is, well, yeah, because people don't know how to manage their strong emotions mm. and they're medicating. Yeah, that yeah. is their medicine. That's their medicine. Mm. Um, that can help us to hold compassion for people as mm. well because have had us three had someone had X's story, then maybe we'd be doing Exactly. Exactly the same. Mm. You know, it's just for whatever reasons this version of ourself is sitting here. Mm. Um, so a big part of being a therapist is also just helping people to make sense of how they got to where they are today. Mm-hmm. And perhaps in communicating with listeners or when you have clients, just communicating that you know, the purpose of seeing a therapist is that they can really help you to make sense of how you got to this point today yeah. in a non-judgmental, compassionate mm. environment. Yeah. Because psychologically everything makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I'm just thinking when we take someone's health history yeah. mm. and they've got they've had gut issues, for example, yeah. for 15 years mm. and we kind of put the pieces together like mm. they were from a young you – know, they were born C-section and then they weren't yeah. breastfed mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. they had all these medications and then, yeah. you know, like it's kind of like we build that picture and we go yeah. – we help them understand this is how you've got to where you've mm. got from a health or gut yeah. point of view. Yeah. And this is like we kind of tell them about how this yeah. is then, you know, influence their hormones and influence their energy and all of that and they're like, oh, my gosh. It's mm. like so it's such a similar thing except just mm. mentally, Definitely. psychologically, yeah. that's what you're doing. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it um, – this all makes sense in context. Mm. So if we allow ourselves the space to just explore and make sense of what what's happened, what's led me to get to this point in my life, rather than looking at ourselves with judgment, like I can't believe you, you're, mm. um, you're doing this to yourself and mm. this is all your fault and you're such an awful person, the you know awful dialogue that the inner critic can th- throw up, mm. if we can turn the volume down on that and say, you know what, I, I'm doing what I can to look at this now. I have no idea what got me to this mm. point, mm. but I'm willing to go there and take the courage to look at it and change past patterns yeah. so I can have a healthier future, which then extends to future generations mm. of ourselves. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. And it- no one is meant to know why they got to where they got know, to, you know? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. totally fine to not know yeah. why why you're here. From a health point of view, same yeah. thing. It's totally fine to know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, your health might not be – even as practitioners, like, we are all human and we all even have our own health issues, you know, mm. and it's totally fine to not know. It's just – it's about – it's more important to be curious and to be, you know, to, to know and to constantly be like, oh, not constantly, but, yeah, mm. just to – Bring that curiosity to mm-hmm. to yourself and go, what what's gone on here and and how can I explore Agreed. this further? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. from any kind of point of view, from a psychological point of view, yeah. from a health point of view, from mm-hmm. a nutritional point of view, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that just 
it ties in so well with, you know, the stigma of mental health, like just, yeah. It's okay to be suffering. It's it's totally fine and it's it's normal for, as a human to be suffering. Mm-hmm. It's just about reaching out and having that courage to go. I'm not okay with this. I'm going to do something about it, and mm-hmm. I'm going to find my people who will help me, my mm-hmm. practitioners mm-hmm. who will help me. Um, it's just thinking before, just quickly, when someone comes in, and often they won't come in just for a mental health condition to yeah. see me as a nutritionist, Ooh, but. The thing is, it's like they come in because they want to learn about food or they want to mm. lose weight or whatever. Yeah. And then through that process, I, fi- I find that, oh, my gosh, they're also very depressed or uh-huh. they've got a lot of anxious behaviour yeah. yeah. um, and thoughts as well. And they go, oh, yeah, and I've, I've had this tendency my whole life and it mm. has been a huge problem. But they never mm. come in as it, I'm coming to see a nutritionist because mm. of my mental health. Mm. You know, like it's always mm. – and because I think that's also part of this stigma. It's like mm. – they don't, yeah, it's just kind of like they don't want to kind of say and admit, yeah, this is this is why I'm, I'm you know, looking at, you know, changing my, my yeah. mental health. It's because it's, yeah, yeah. not accepted yeah. in today's society. But, mm. yeah. When, like you said, everyone struggles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if most people don't have the skills in emotional regulation. Mm. So... Of course, so many people are struggling. Mm. Of course, our levels of mental health and, and our suicide rate is through the roof because pe- people aren't... It's not that people are broken and people are dysfunctional. It's that people just don't have the skills. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's all. And so I try to send that message to my client that nothing is wrong with you. Yeah, You're a human and there's just, just there's a skill deficit, just like... Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, we can't, you know, just because I wanted to be a therapist at 15, I couldn't go hang yeah. my shingle up. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And, you know, namaste, you know, like I'm, I'm ready to heal the world. No, I, ha- I had to go learn and I had to mm. learn for a decade. Exactly. Mm. And I'm going to be learning the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as we were talking, I found this quote that I love and it kind of ties into what we were saying about self-love. Um and it's by Charlie Chapman, and he has this poem, when I, as I begin to love myself, and there's a part in it that says, as I, as I begin to love myself, I freed myself of anything that is no good for my health, food, people, things, situations, and everything that drew me down and away from myself. And at first I called this attitude a healthy egoism, but today... It is love of oneself. Mm. Mm. And I love that because I feel, you know, that's how one of the reasons we've connected Mm. Mm. is because we can see how a person's lack of Mm self-love or that um, undeveloped self-compassionate part of self is playing into unhealthy Mm behaviours. And that's where we're passionate to make a contribution, Mm. which is very different just to looking at um, people's health behaviours as, like, just bringing it on themselves mm, or mm, mm. that person's broken or... No, mm. it's none of that. Mm. Actually, it just goes back to self-love. Mm. Mm-hmm. One more question in relation back to the nutrition slash gut space. Mm. Um, I was wondering more, so we talked about the 
behaviors around overeating, undereating, mm-hmm. poor eating. Have you seen any um, particular relationships back to gut health? So, for say, clients who are talking about having really poor gut health with you and being in pain and, and cramping, bloating, like those sorts of, of, of factors and mm. seeing them gain better quality of mental health by working on their gut health, yeah? Because that's obviously a mm. massive area that we yeah. see and I would say some, some as Emma was highlighting, not everyone obviously comes in and, seeing, yeah. and seeking that connection but even clients that will come in and – not even be aware of mm. maybe their level of anxiety mm. or um, mood dysfunction and you work with their health and their yeah. gut issues and they'll come back after a few consults and be like, I feel different. Like yeah. I was anxious mm. and I'm not anxious anymore. Like something's changed. Mm. But I'm curious from your perspective if you see that play out often at all. Yeah, like especially in the development of IBS or IBD, mm. how anxiety can have such an impact on our gut health um, and how unprocessed emotions can play out physically and through the development of these things. And mm. that's IBD and IBS are really tough because people have these very real painful, uncomfortable symptoms and there's no organic diagnosis mm. and often it feels like, oh, God, you have IBS. Um, mm some gaviscon yeah well that's what they get told yeah Good luck with that yeah um yeah and um and what can be missed is well when did that pain start and what were the kind of things going on around that time and often especially with the gut health because this is our emotionally this, that's our power center for mm. our um we hold our that's our, it's just interesting that that yeah. is our center emotionally for our sense of um, uh, personal power mm. and how mental health uh, issues can affect that part of self. Mm. And often what we can we find out psychologically is that that person is feeling a lack of personal power in their life somewhere or has had a felt a sense of powerlessness mm. um, dating back when, often then that affects their gut mm. and that affects their eating patterns. Mm. So by looking at, well, where did their relationship with food start? Mm. And also where, where did they first feel that sense of powerlessness? Mm. Where mm. does that date back? Yeah, um, I think also you were mentioning um, to me the other day that you had a couple of clients who had seen you know integrative doctors and worked on like their yeah. nutrition and you just yeah. in terms of like their therapy outcome like they they just thrived mm-hmm. with both approaches. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just think that's yeah, it was super fascinating. Yeah, it's because say the it's the same as in psychology the things that happen to us when we're younger can have a neurological impact on our brain Mm. so if we were talking before about clients getting to a certain point and then it being really hard to kind of surpass that Mm. it's because we have 
often have a default. Mm. And so when your default has always been, you know, I under eat to mm. survive life mm. and that default hasn't been replaced by something else, mm. well, don't take my default away. Mm-hmm. So um, I see, and in terms of sending a client for a functional um, assessment, that's super important because often, say, if we've come from a background of starving ourselves, that's had a neurological impact mm. on how our, um, the, you know, the biochemicals in our brain have been set up mm. or how our gut health has been set up. It, it does have a lasting impact that then has a huge impact on our mental health. Mm. Yeah. So it's so important to look at both because often it could be um, say a deficiency in B12, for instance, mm. that's playing a part in that person also having feeling really lethargic. Mm. And we don't want to be quick to just say, oh, well, it's depression, so mm-hmm. of course you're feeling yeah. lethargic. Hang on, what has that person's relationship been like with food? And could there be a deficiency somewhere mm. that can be corrected mm. through changing eating habits or supplementation? Mm. And then mm-hmm. in terms of a psychological outcome like you know if someone's deficient in b12 and they and even have depression partly due to that then if they correct that then they will be able to get so much more out of therapy as well you know from a psychological point Mm. because they can think more clearly and you know like it just they just play into each other so so well definitely yeah because when we're saying the with under eating when your brain is starved of nutrients it's hard to access the executive functioning mm, system mm-hmm. of your brain which is um, responsible for healthy decision making because it's being compromised because mm. it's starving mm-hmm. and that's interesting like and i know you're talking about under eating like from a quantity point of view yeah. but even from a quality point of view yes like you know if yeah. they call yeah, it like um yeah. under what under nutrition it's yeah. like you're not at some people aren't yeah. even under eating; they're yeah. just choosing, and even self-sabotaging, yeah. choosing horrible food choices yeah. with little nutritional value, yeah. um, and therefore their brain is still starving mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're yeah, not they're getting the nutrients. Yeah, they're malnourished, they're, yeah. even though they're not actually yeah. not eating. You know, they're, they're eating enough from a quantity point of view, mm. but yeah. the nutrients that they're getting in are just not sufficient. Yeah, and I think that's in terms of what we do. Like we see that a lot. Yeah. Well, I definitely see it with mental health. Um, yeah cases and just changing diet to get more nutrients in can have a profound mm. inf- impact on yeah. someone's emotional state mm-hmm. just because they're a- their brain's able to work better yeah. mm-hmm. and process emotions better. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's crazy how important both are. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's hard, it's hard work. Like if your <clears throat> default, if your normal has been um, to, to eat food that is not mm. nutrient-dense, then – it's such a challenge to then think of eating the opposite of yeah. that. Like mm-hmm. that's not normal. That doesn't feel normal. Yeah, it's absolutely. such a challenge to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then it's just being compassionate to self and gentle that this this is not going to change overnight. It's mm-hmm. going to take time. Yeah, exactly. That's so true what we're talking about the other week. Like some people come in here and we yeah. know that they've got a lot of things that they need to work on with their gut. Like we yeah. know that they've got infections and it's it's crazy and, and yeah. we know it's affecting them, but we're not going to do anything with their gut yet because uh-huh. we have to help them to change their diet to a bit yeah. more nutrient-dense first and that could take months. Yeah. And it's yeah. like it is about holding that client's hand through the process. And yeah. as I said before, like 
really having a look at that personality yeah. and, and making that judgment um, based on what you see in front of you and based on what yeah. you hear um, about how fast or slow to go through treatment, Definitely. which is mm. so important. Like some people are raring to go and you know that they're okay with that uh -huh. mm -hmm. and you check in with them and everything's yeah. fine. And then other people, you can tell they're scared of change. Definitely. And it's like, well, let's just change one thing, mm. like one little thing over the next yeah. few weeks and that's it. Exactly. Like to make it into small bite-sized pieces yeah. so that they can. And with that approach works yeah. really well for people mm. like that. Yeah. Um, and so it is, yeah, yeah it's, it's all about that. It's educating them, isn't it? Yeah. And then it, but again, doing what's right for them, mm. not trying to do what you think someone else should do. When, yeah. yeah. And it's really even yeah. just talking about, as you were talking about, um, enjoying so much what you do and yeah. the kick that mm. you get out of it. Like it's something that I know that everyone that works here is the same with. Um, I've totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. And just gave me the time wrapper. <laughs> it just went. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. crap! <laughs> Sorry, Jess. I had a point. <laughs> but you'll you'll think you'll it in a sec. No, it's uh, so gone. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, no, we probably should wrap up with yeah. them. Let you go. Thank you so much. It's been fascinating. I think that's a thing oh, we could pleasure. just sit here. And... I didn't even realise the time. That's why I was like, crap. we has got to go. Yeah. No, we really, really appreciate it. We could, we could just keep talking as it's just an area that we're super passionate about. That's what I was saying, wasn't it? What? Like, we're passionate. <laughs> that we would just yes. do this. Like, our yeah. reward is in essentially just seeing the benefits of the client and yeah. that's what I was going to say yes. the clients that you have who yeah. you just hold their hand through the small things yeah. and it might be over three to four months uh -huh. and all they've done is change something that one other a person might have changed over two weeks but yeah. they are so happy mm. yeah. with what they've done and what they've achieved yeah. that is just so mm. rewarding yeah. and you could look at that from another perspective and get all egotistical about it uh -huh. and be like it's not enough but yeah I just yeah. think it's I just think I, one of the things I love that you said is just the um, how much love that you get from what you do, yeah. and I can yeah. I think we can all relate from that. There's nothing mm. more beautiful than seeing someone learn and grow and thrive. Yeah, really thrive. Yeah, mm. it's uh, like I said, I pinch myself every day that this is what I do, and I can finish the week full. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because, but part of that is because I. I definitely practice what I preach in terms of self-care mm. um, because I want to serve um, and be there for people from a place of absolute fullness mm. and overflow so that then I can finish the, the day and still be full. Or if I'm, if I'm not, then I'm going to do my things mm. to upkeep my self-care because by doing that, then that's the most beautiful thing I can give to them because the person I see the next day gets a full me as exactly. well, not an empty. Yeah. Um, and then that ends up having this beautiful effect on all the relationships yeah. surrounding me. Mm -hmm. So that's big to my practice, that I practice what I preach in terms of self-care um, and to keep that love for this field alive um, and just to be modelling healthy mm. Practices exactly, and I don't get it right. Like any of us, you know, yeah, none of us are perfect. Yeah, none of us are perfect, <laughs> and have those weeks of, of feeling burnt out. But when self compassion grows in self, it's easier to it becomes quicker to catch out those old default patterns, mm -hmm. and then 
ask self, what is it that I need mm, and how can I meet sure. that need within myself? Yeah. And it's okay to have needs yeah. and it's okay to do the things I need to do to meet them. Mm. Thank you. Can yeah, you just you let so everyone know where they can find yeah. you and reach out to you? Yeah. Yeah. So I have, so it's Kobe Allison Psychology, bit of a mouthful. <laughs> um, and I'm based in New Farm. I have my own clinic there at 629 Brunswick Street. <laughs> <laughs> and you can email me at hello at K-O-B-I-E A-L-L-I-S-O-N psychology.com. Beautiful. Excellent. We'll and put that in the show notes. Yeah. And if anyone wants to email me, I can send you five um, self-compassion meditations that mm-hmm. I have saved in a Dropbox. And so that's that's free. And if you can utilize those every day, you're going to start building that self-compassionate part of self. So I'm happy for you to email me and I'll email them oh, to you. Thank you. That's okay. Just so pass good. them forward. That's yes. all. That's <laughs> yeah. If you know someone they could be helpful for, that's, I guess that's all I ask, that you pass it forward. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Okay. <laughs> um, and we will wrap this up. Yeah. Definitely now. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll pop all the details in the show notes. Um, there's just been some amazing pearls of wisdom in this one. So, mm. yeah, we do ask always that you share these episodes. But I think this is a, a really good one to share around. Mm. Um, and, yeah, particularly if there's people in your life that you think will benefit we do really encourage you to do so. But other than that, um, any questions, you can contact us here at the clinic on reception at jessicacox.com.au or direct message us through Instagram. Um, Otherwise, we are signing off and we'll chat to you next time. Thanks Thanks for listening. Bye.